And I've had people sit in front of me and you just see the stress in their face and they're just hurting. And then all of a sudden, when you connect them with that loved one and there's these validations that they get and they had that realization, you know what, they are still with us. I've seen people's stress just completely go. You can see a physical change in their face and the tears turn to laughter. And it only happened the other day. I did a reading for a beautiful lady who lost a child. She'd been really missing her daughter. But then, you know, there were certain things that we were brought up and she was just laughing her head off. And to have her connect to her daughter through me being in the middle of it was just a magic experience just to see that happiness in someone's face. There is no greater gift. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of sacred journeys, spirit encounters, near-death experiences, angels, mysteries, marvels and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary people reveal their extraordinary encounters. I acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of Sutherland Shire in Australia, where I live and record Spirit Sisters, and I recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and community. I pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. Wonderful, as always, to have your company. Today, I have the second episode in the Psychic September miniseries I'm presenting this month. These are conversations with a diverse group of psychic mediums, people of different ages, genders, and at varying stages in their journey of their lives and of their calling as one who links the living with loved ones beyond the veil. As I pointed out last time, this is all about sharing life experiences, not endorsing a business, as I haven't had readings with any of these uh, psychic mediums. I might do so one day, but I haven't yet. As always, this is all about speaking from the heart as we build bridges of connection to each other through our stories. It's my great pleasure today to introduce you to psychic medium David Gamble, who's based in Sydney's Inner West. Dave has always known that he had a psychic ability, but he didn't actually know what that meant. Going through life-changing challenges throughout his 20s taught Dave to embrace his ability and use it to give back to others. Service is a real theme in Dave's life, as you're about to hear. He actually honed his abilities as a support worker for people with disabilities, which I found really fascinating, and I really enjoyed Dave's warmth and his candour as he shared his story with me. He talks about his struggles to try to fit in as a young person, battling low self-esteem, people-pleasing tendencies, and of the gifts that he's come to recognise were in the darkest moments. He shares about his mentor, psychic medium Debbie Malone, and how her book helped put him on the right path. He takes us through the nuts and bolts of a reading and about how to avoid connecting with low-frequency spirits, as he calls them. And at the end, he shares a really beautiful message of hope, for anyone who's grieving a loved one. There's a lot we cover in an hour. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dave Gamble and I hope you do too. Before we start, please note this episode references suicide and a violent assault. 
If you need support, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Outside of Australia, please reach out to your appropriate local support services. For now, settle in as Dave Gamble takes us inside the life of a professional psychic medium. Here we are. Hi, Dave. Welcome Hello, how are to you? Sisters. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's really great to have you on. Now, we've already had a chat prior to recording and there's lots of stuff we've talked about and I've taken lots of notes and I want to <laughs> bring this to the audience. I'm very excited about the audience getting to know you. That's amazing. Thank you. One of the things I thought we could begin <clears throat> discussing was you being a musician and being harassed, which was your word <laughs> when we talked, by um, spirit loved ones of the people that are in the audience and this while you're on stage performing. It's when you connect, well, when I I can only really speak on how it works for me. I can't speak for other mediums or psychics that are out there. But music for me is, it's a passion, it's a love, it's been something that's been ingrained in me, I think, even before I was born because my grandfather was a musician, he was a piano player, guitar player, and my brother's also a musician as well. My sister learned to play piano and then I've been playing music since I was nine years old. So music is something that's definitely ingrained in our blood and it's been ingrained in me. But when I'm on stage and I'm performing and when I'm doing mediumship work, it is when your mind is least active, when you're not thinking about I've got to be playing this bill or I've got to go to the shops or I've got to contact this person. When I'm on stage and performing, <clears throat> excuse me, my mind is just in the moment and it's very still and it's very calm and of course i'm enjoying the moment being on stage with my band members and and what's going on in the crowd but music is something that really is great for my soul it's a really great switch off from what i do from the day-to-day work that i normally do so when spirit has an opportunity to contact you they will contact people who are definitely spiritually connected to themselves but They also see an opportunity with me knowing that I'm a medium as well, but then my mind is the least active when it's on stage. So there is their opportunity. So, you know, there's been a number of times where I've been playing and someone's been standing in front of me and all of a sudden that feeling that I normally get when I'm doing my mediumship work is I'm here. There's my my loved one in the crowd and it's happened at outdoor events. It's happened in the pubs and clubs and it's, it can be quite hard at times because you're sitting there playing and, you know, you're in the moment and the last thing you're thinking of is, oh, I'm going to get contacted by a spirit and then all of a sudden it happens and it's like, really, at this moment we're going to have this this encounter and then obviously what ends up happening is I have to then, when I have a break, is go and find that person and say, listen, this is what I do for work. Are you open to having a message from a loved one that I know has passed away? And Nine times out of ten, they're just completely gobsmacked and, you know, I do pass that message on. And then, you know, I'd actually do offer that person a free reading because if I do go up to somebody and tell them about it or tell them what I do is I can't ask them to pay for a reading. It's something that I have to do as a gift to them and offer them a free reading, which happens a lot. And so does it feel, you mentioned that feeling that comes upon you that the spirit person is around. What does that feel like? The only way I can really describe it, it is 
when you've spent time on a boat all day and you get off and you get that wavy kind of feeling like you're still moving on the boat, that's how it feels for me. And it's a change in energy. So everything that I do in terms of psychic work and mediumship, mediumship work is all about energy. So you can feel when your your energy's high or it's feeling low. It's this shift that changes. And then all of a sudden I start to get feel a little bit woozy and shaky and wobbly. And it's nothing bad where I'm going to fall over, but I know that feeling. And it's like, all right, here we go. We're on. You know, it's one of those things that when I do, you know, my my spiritual work, it is something that I do switch on and I do switch off. But when a spirit needs to come through, they do come through and I have to acknowledge it. I have to give that person in a crowd or wherever I am that opportunity to connect. It's a gift that I've been given and I'm a conduit between the living and the, the deceased. So it's an opportunity to give someone some peace and clarity at any given moment. That's very beautiful that you say that. And I wonder, I've I've heard other mediums describe it as a as a pressure, like you must get this message out. Would you agree with that? Like what Absolutely. Would it's almost like <clears throat> it always I don't believe in coincidences or luck. It's one of those things I believe in everything happens for a reason. The fact that that person was out at a gig or wherever they were and I was in right there in front of them or around them, it was meant to be. And that spirit was meant to come to me and that message was meant to get to that person. So it is my duty as for who I am and what I do to pass on that message. It would be wrong of me to not pass that message on. And it's to watch someone who's out having a good time but then even get something even greater on top of that as a message from a loved one that they're they're probably missing or they're out for that reason that they've just needed to get their mind off you know, some heartbreak that they've been going through and get some clarity that, hey, they're still there, they're still with you and they're enjoying your moments with you. So to see someone's face completely change when you've passed a message on and give them the validation too to know that it is that person that has passed away. Do you have a favourite story in mind about a moment like that, whether it be on stage? The biggest one for me and it really set up my work several years ago is we were on the mid-north coast up in Newcastle and it was Australia Day and it was an outdoor event and it was, you know, there was thousands of people there and as I was playing, a feather came floating down in front of me and I just thought, oh, here we go, my angels are around me and I play the bass guitar and there was a certain song that I was playing where I could take my left hand off the actual, the bass guitar and I tried to catch this feather and it just took off. It flew off. And I went, oh, okay. It was just a, a little feather from my angels. Let's let me know they were around. And I turned around to look at the drummer and all of a sudden I was sitting in front of the drummer and he was looking at it as well. And then it took off again. And this would have been going on for about a minute. And then I wasn't paying attention to the feather. And all of a sudden the feather came back straight in front of me again. But this time as the feather was in my direct eyesight, I could see two people in the crowd and they were embracing and they were both crying and it was a mother and daughter and they were both looking at this feather. At that moment, I was looking at these two crying and embracing. I heard a message in my mind, that is my mum and my sister. Let them know that I'm here. And then I'm going, no, 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 not now, not now. And again, it kept repeating over and over. And I actually had a friend of mine in the crowd 
and I looked over at my friend and I had to mouth off because the music's so loud you just can't talk to them. And it was like I had to basically mouth to her, tell these people what I do. And she's looked at me going, no, not now. You, you can't be serious. This cannot be happening right now. And I looked and I went, yep, it's happening right now. So she actually went up to the two people and pointed at me and said, he's a psychic medium and he's obviously picked up something about you. So at the end of the show, they met me at the back of the stage and I had a discussion and I said, hey, listen, I picked up a female that's come through and said, that's my mum and my sister. And they said, yeah, that was, I won't say her name, but they said, yeah, that's her. She only passed several months ago and we've been missing her deeply. And I said, well, she's here. And then, yeah, I did a family for her and connected them all together a few weeks later after that. And it's probably one of the most memorable moments I've had in terms of mediumship readings. That's lovely. And you said that kind of predated you really stepping into this work. These people are absolutely amazing. You know, they ended up telling everyone about what I happened. They were probably one of my biggest advertisements around, you know, telling a lot of people about myself and the name, my name spread from there. It just steamrolled into being able to do this full time. You know, even though I was doing it full time back then, that was the pinnacle for it to, to really start to take off for me to really get my name out there. And we'll talk more about that phase of your life, you really stepping into this embracing your gift, so to speak, Dave. But I'd like to just go back in time a bit now, so to tell the, tell your story to our audience. And keeping with the theme of music, which is mm. such a key role in your life, music and your psychic gifts are entwined. It was your music teacher when you were nine years old who yep. was the first person to say to you, yeah, it was, it was, I still remember it so vividly. We were just standing in his room, his music room, and it was the craziest looking room because he actually painted it in zebra colours. And I still just remember being in this place. He was a, a really amazing guy. And I don't know what made him say, but I remember him just looking at me and goes, do you know you're psychic? And being nine years old, I had no clue. The, what I thought a psychic was was a woman in a cape staring at a crystal ball. Didn't think anything of it. And then it was just one of those things that comment had stuck through through my whole whole life. And it was, you know, my teenage years, I could start to pick up on people. Even though back when I was younger, you know, only, only recently my mother had told me that I would say to her, Mum, I'm hearing voices, or I'd talk to her about people that had passed on that I'd never even known about or things like that. And you don't but, remember that? Don't remember, I was too young. Probably so, would have been about four or five, maybe uh, a little bit older. Okay. She didn't actually really say, but she said there was one at our house that I first lived in when, you know, I was there from obviously from birth to till, till I was actually nine years old. So I was quite young and she just said, yeah, I was just in the kitchen and you were sitting there having your afternoon tea and then all of a sudden you said, mum, I'm hearing voices and it's just been one of those things that has has always been there. But as I went through school, being a sensitive kid, not knowing what this ability was, I actually found it very difficult to connect with, with people. It was hard to find friends that I actually connected with and not knowing that it's all about the energy of yours and that person. And if they match, then you can be friends. But if you don't match in energy-wise, you find it hard to get along with people. So through my schooling years was actually quite a difficult time because I actually found it difficult to connect with people. I was very much with one or two people, not in large groups of people, which a lot of people tend to have when they're at school. And it wasn't through till I was, 
I think I was about 15 or 16 at the time that I started to make some friends in high school. I left school at year 10 to study music. And by that time, that the ability was definitely within me, but it didn't really, I didn't un- still understand it. And I actually didn't get my first reading until I was in my mid-20s by a lady that I had saw in Western Australia when I lived in, in WA. And um, you getting a reading. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand what it was. And, you know, I, I, I started to know what the psychic ability was. I just thought everyone had this ability where they knew a lot of things about each other. So like is I that just why, sorry, Dave, I'm just trying to understand why your music teacher would have said that, which is such a curious thing for a teacher to say to a student, especially when they're nine. I wonder what he saw. He he actually explained to me it was more about just some things that I was able to say or it was just random. And it was things I had said to him that no one would ever know. But it was a lot of the times when the ability works with me is without even thinking, I'll just say something and it's relevant to that person. They're going, how did you know that? And I go, what did I say? Because I won't even remember what I've said. It'll just come out of my mouth. And that was the moment he just went, yeah, look, you you must be psychic. And it was almost like a half joke that it was also a half comic as well. So that's where that word psychic had really stuck into my head. But still, as I was going into my 20s, I didn't even realise I had it. It seems like through those early years, your psychic mediumship was manifesting as this Deep intuitive knowing of other people's details of other people's lives. Yeah, but that also did push me away from people as well too because I knew if they were a good person or they weren't a good person and I really struggled because all I wanted to do was fit in with people, but I, I struggled so much with it. So, you know, kids back in that time, you know, the jokes weren't always the nicest jokes and most people could have taken it. But for me, I found it very difficult. So if someone ever teased me about something simple, it was an extreme for me because being super sensitive to emotions, to people's comments, didn't know how to protect myself energetically from people. It was a very standoffish time in my life where I tried to get close to people, but I just really couldn't get close to people. Yeah, I so relate to what you're saying about that. And I think anybody in the audience who has that hypersensitivity or the highly sensitive person, like the things that we store inside ourselves, like I remember a teacher in third grade speaking meanly to me and that has stayed with me, you know. It really, more than stays with you, it kind of, if you don't look at it and deal with it, it could almost direct the course of your life. You know. Well, the same actually happened for me when I was in year three. I was, I still have it. I, I'm dyslexic, which you'll find a lot of psychics and a lot of mediums are. So I actually was held back. I repeated year three. And I still remember to this day, my teacher said to me, I promise you, I will be with you for the next year that you repeat. So when I actually repeated that year, a lot of my friends that I had in school, went up a year, but they didn't want to be my friend anymore. So that was a big turning point in my life. And then what happened was, is then halfway through that year, that teacher actually ended up leaving. So I just felt really ripped off that one, my friends were teasing me that I was friends with last year. And then two, my teacher then abandoned me and didn't keep his promise. So then all of a sudden I went into a a shell 
And that actually shaped up a lot of things that were happening through me into my adulthood in terms of I went through a really dark time in my late 20s, or sorry, in my 30s it would have been, is I had low self-esteem and super insecure about myself. And it all stemmed from that moment as a child when my teacher held me back, but then I felt he had abandoned me and I was starting to tease, be teased at school. Being a super sensitive kid and super psychic kid at that time, it just seemed like I was in a nightmare for a lot of the years growing up and it was very, very difficult to deal with. And I actually didn't really understand this until I would say probably about five or six, seven years ago, I'd say, when I started to look back and I, and I started to be grateful for all the troubles that I went through to get to where I am today. It wasn't until then I went, that was the turning point in my life where my destiny was starting to be to where I am today as a psychic medium. I needed to go through that moment as a child, through the troubles that I went through as a teenager, especially in my early 20s and 30s. I'm very keen to talk to you about that because that's something that I've noted down from our pre-recorded conversation. You said to me that you did endure a couple of really difficult decades. And in your words, Dave, you said it was an absolute hell. But Mm. then in the next breath, you said... The journey of trauma was the biggest gift that happened to me. So to the extent that you're comfortable, could you share about this time and also how the trauma intersects with the flourishing of your psychic abilities? I, When I left school, I actually went and studied music and I did music as a full-time job after I, so I left school and I went and studied music for a couple of years. And then I just started doing music teaching for a number of years. And then the opportunity for me to get involved into real estate came up. This is probably something my dad's probably not going to like hearing, but about, but it was more based around about coming from a European background was doing things that made your family happy. Being involved in real estate wasn't something that I was never really interested in, but I just thought, well, I had met somebody at that time that was involved in real estate. They said I'd be good at real estate. My dad said it'd be good to be involved in real estate. And I just thought, well, Maybe I need to get into real estate. It was an interesting journey, but I never had a passion for it. I didn't like the way the sales industry works. It's a tough game. And you do play with people's emotions and you do have to manipulate situations to get the deal done. And that was something that never really sat well with me. And over time, I was involved in a relationship that was very toxic and it started to get really bad for myself. I started to, I remember when I was living in Western Australia doing real estate over there, I'd come back and I'd see some old friends and they'd say, God, you've changed. It's like there is nothing left of you. That cheeky fun person that you used to be has disappeared. You've become very serious. You've become very cold and callous in a, in, in a way. And through that toxic relationship, I lost a hell of a lot financially and I actually was homeless for a while. I was living in my car. I had no money left in my bank account. And I actually felt that I had I, I had failed not only myself, but everyone in my family and around me. So I went into a very, very dark place where I couldn't function anymore. I'd finally got myself into into a house that was pretty terrible to live in you know I was living in a big beautiful home that you know I had built with the person that I was with at the time and 
I just went into a really, really dark place where I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't see a way out. Everything just turned to darkness for me. It was a really dark and black place to the point that I just woke up one morning and said, I'm done with this life. I'm, I'm actually over it. I managed to get a hold of a gun and I actually was ready to take my life. And I was actually literally millimetres away from ending things when my ability had really kicked in. And basically what I saw, I don't know if I, if I saw it with my physical eye or with the, the third eye, was a big red stop sign. But the thing that really stood out for me was like two people standing on either side of my, my head screaming, stop. And it was so loud and it was so intense that I remember the gun flying away. It flew out of my hand and I just stopped. And it was just like the most surreal moment of what the hell am I doing? But then after that moment, there is, I don't remember the next six to seven hours of, I remember being in my bedroom at the time. And then coming to sitting out in the backyard of the house that I was living at seven hours later, just going, what the hell had happened? What what has happened? What has happened? And I just kept hearing the voice in my head just say, go say something nice to yourself. Go say something nice. And it was just on repeat, 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 repeat. And it was driving me nuts. And I went, okay, fine. And I went into the bathroom and I said something nice to myself. And as soon as I said it, it stopped. What so something nice to yourself? So do you remember yeah. what you actually said to yourself? It was I'm nice. a good person. Did you look in the mirror and say that? Yeah, but it was so hard to look at myself in the eye. Yeah. Because I was really ashamed at where I was only a few hours earlier. And it was something that kept playing out in my head every single day. It, as soon as I'd wake up, I'd hear that voice. And I started to think that I was schizophrenic. And so I had to look up what schizophrenia was and it was said something that you say really bad things about yourself and you want to do really bad things to other people and yourself. But this was the complete opposite. This voice was so loud, which is basically my clear audience. It was my spirit guide talking to me saying, get up. Basically, it was saying, start saying something nice to yourself. Start saying. So what ended up happening every day, this voice was coming to me loud. And it was saying, keep saying something nice to yourself. It would have been about seven or eight days later that all of a sudden I started to believe it. I went, you know what? I am a good person. And then all of a sudden life changed. There's so much in there that we could unpack. <laughs> Firstly, um, I'd like to ask, who you who do you think now in retrospect those two people that were shouting at you to stop were? Were they your spirit guides? Or? Spirit guide and guardian angels. Okay, and do you know who they are, or their yeah, my my spirit guide is actually an American Indian. It's something that I've visualized. He, he was always in my dreams, and he's always every time I visualize something in terms of dreams, or there's been a spiritual moment, I've always seen this American Indian around me, and I didn't really realize it until, you know, probably. Uh, not until I started to work on this psychic ability within myself, knowing this is something that I really want to develop. I didn't actually meet him until then, but it was I knew later on that at that moment, that was my spirit guide talking to me, my higher self that had really come through deep and strong and was like, nope, we're not letting you do this. We needed you to get to this point in your life to stop doing something that wasn't right for you. So 
when I was doing real estate and doing things that I wasn't enjoying, I was getting messages to do something more to myself. My soul was screaming at me going, this is not for you. But I wasn't listening to the messages. So basically this happens to a lot of people and they don't realize it is if you don't listen to the messages, then your spirit guides and angels and the universe will put you in a situation where you have to let go of what you're doing and it'll put you in the most extreme situations. You think that is the worst thing that's ever happening. But really what you don't understand, it, it is the best moment of your life. And that day that I tried to take my life was the best day of my life because it made me realize life is a gift and it is the most valuable thing that you have. And that was the day I actually chose to live and that's the day my life actually really started. And I started to listen to my sole purpose and without realizing it, I was moving in towards doing the work that I'm doing today. And that moment there is something that still comes up in my mind all the time. And that's a, what people got to understand is, is that sometimes people are in a relationship and they know that their partner's cheating on them, but they don't want to believe it or listen to it. And then all of a sudden they catch them out and they think, I can't believe I've just caught that person out. But the reason is, is that you never wanted to believe that your partner was cheating and you should have asked them about it. But you had to be heard extremely harsh to then finally let go of that person and move on. And that's why certain things like that actually happen to people. They think, why did that extreme moment have to happen to me? Because you weren't seeing or listening to the signs that were there to say, you need to make changes. So when things fall apart in people's lives, they're getting warnings along the way that they need to make a change. And if they don't, then what happens is an extreme situation will happen, which will force them out of that, that situation that they should have let go of a long time ago. I'm sure that so many of us uh, listening can relate to that idea. I, I'm sure people are going to go, oh, wow, okay, I understand what this means. Yeah, and because, you know, you can be in a job, you can be in a relationship, as you said, and your soul is telling you this is not your path, this yep. is not your path, and yet because of expectations, of pressures, of what we think we're supposed to be doing. As you said before, your family thought real estate was a good path for you and being, you know, of European tradition. I think, what did, did you tell me your mum is Italian and your dad? Mum is Italian, dad is Lebanese. Yeah. So it's a good mix, great food mix. <laughs> there are so many messages there and, and the other one that I'd like to just talk about as well is just that message that you received from your guide say something nice to yourself I mean that is so simple and it seems almost like an exercise like if we think of you know training okay start with three sets of 10 repetitions two kilo yeah. hand weights like it's such a tiny little thing but yet that's the beginning of change one of the things that comes up a lot in in readings whether it's a psychic reading or mediumship reading is people's self-belief is lacking and it always comes up, I, and I say it this way, we are the CEO of our own life. We are a business and our job every day is to be at our best. So if you're, work, if you're the boss of a company and you're one of those good CEOs, you go around and talk to your workers and say you're doing a great job. And when you do that, you know you're going to get a bit of production out of your employee. Why wouldn't you say it to yourself each day? To, to be successful in, in every aspect of your life, Happiness is the key. Everyone says to me, Dave, what's your New Year's resolution? And I always say, happiness. And they go, well, that's just pretty standard, isn't it? And I said, well, do you understand what happiness really is? Happiness is an energy and it's, an, it's a vibration. 
And when you're really happy, when you go to work, your energy and vibrations on a higher level. So the, whatever you do for work is always going to be done better. When you're really happy at home and you're in your relationship or your friendships, they're going to get the best of you because you're on that higher level. So everything seems to be really great and you just get along really well, which then spreads to other parts of your life. You end up having better mental health. You end up having better physical health. And with all of that, you create extra money. You create so much happiness in your life. And then all of a sudden you look at your life and you think, oh my God, my life is in incredible position. Why? Is because you said one simple thing to yourself each and every day and you believed it. And that's the key is if you say something to yourself every day, you will start to believe it and it will snowball into the happy vibration and energy that we're all wanting to be. Nobody wants to feel bad. Everyone wants to feel happiness. That's such a profound lesson of your story because some some people might think, oh, his spirit guide stopped him from taking his own life and then delivered this very lofty message. But the message was say something nice to yourself. And so you began with I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Led you to where you are today. Yeah. And it was once I believed, I went, you know what? I am a good person because I never used to say anything like that to myself. I actually didn't think I was a good person. I didn't think I was ever good enough for anybody. So I had the low self esteem and the super insecure situations within my life. It was like I almost played the part of a victim. No one, I'm not good enough for anyone. I'm terrible at this and I'm terrible at that, but which was the complete opposite. I was a good person. I just didn't believe it. And that was the sad situation for myself is that so many of us go around life not believing we are a good person, that we have the possibilities to do anything that we want. And it's not till you actually start to believe in who you are is when you will start to see the change in your life. And it's simple. Say something nice to yourself. And once you believe that, say something different. And that's what I did. Mm. I started to say different things to myself when I, when I believed that comment that I'd say. And you spoke about uh, your sensitivity as a little child and now, you know, you're sharing about the low self-esteem you had as a child. Do you feel that those two things are connected because you were picking up all the time on people's energy and that could lead one to feel low because people around you are low and, and you can't seem to do anything about it? I don't know. Tell us. A lot, a lot of people will do, and I'm self-included in this, was to police people. Yeah. And if I police people, then I thought that were going to like me or love me even more. But really what that was doing was actually destroying me a lot more. And it destroys people a lot more. Because what you're doing is you're still not listening to yourself. You're not listening to what's right for you. And you're thinking that if I give everybody everything of me and they're just going to think I'm amazing. But then really what you're doing is you're not taking care of yourself. You're actually doing a disrespect to yourself by trying to please other people but not please yourself is the biggest disservice you can do to yourself. I always say to people is, is that you are the most important person in your life. You become first before anybody, whether you're in a marriage, you've got children or whatever it is, you come first. Because if people want to get the best of you, if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be a good wife, a mother, partner, son, daughter, sister, whatever it is. God understand is that your wants and needs have to come first. And then when you put them into, into the right place for yourself, then you're able to give to other people that matter in your life. You can then help somebody when they need it. And they will respect you more for it as well too. If you learn to say no to somebody because it doesn't suit you, you may cop a little bit, 
but you will also gain respect not only from your own self but from the other person as well too. Okay, so after your life began to transform in this way through your simple affirmations and things began to go in a different direction, what happened? What did that look like for you in terms of your life? It took a number of years. It was pretty much a soul-searching still. It took probably another six, seven years of just doing odd jobs here and there, just swapping jobs all the time. Then it was, I had a reading with a lady over in Western Australia. Her name was Sheena. She's no longer with us now, but it was the most surreal experience because I had no clue what it was. And I still remember she sat down and then she sat down with this dog that stared at me for the whole hour. And this dog flipped me out because (laughs) he was staring at me like he was human. I went to her and I said, your dog looks human. And she goes, oh, that's because he's carrying the soul of my husband. And I was like, okay, I don't know whether to believe this woman or what, but she just told me so many incredible messages that was the validation that she gave me was intense. So that's when I knew it was, it was real, but it wasn't until I started to understand what the ability was. I started to watch shows. I started to read some you know, things online about what the psychic ability was. And and it was actually, this woman changed my life. It was Debbie Malone. She's probably, she's my idol. That's, if anyone says, who's who's your favourite psychic medium? I will, without a doubt, will always say Debbie Malone. I actually met her in Western Australia. And she was working with some other psychics over there for the Claremont serial killings. It was called the Psychic Task Force. And they were actually helping the Western Australian Police Department to help solve the killings and between the three of them they were able to give a lot of information to the police to eventually solve the case and actually caught the murderer she always stuck in my mind and it wasn't until i left western australia and i came back to new south wales to be closer to family and friends i was kind of soul searching where am i going what am i doing and i knew after i'd left real estate and went through all my trials and troubles that i needed to work in in an industry where i wanted to help people and i thought Maybe I'll do counselling or I'll do sound therapy or something like that, but it just didn't connect with me. And being dyslexic, I can't read properly. It just doesn't sink in. So when I read books, I don't absorb what's being what I'm reading. So to read books is very, very difficult for me. I can read a page three or four times over and nothing will sink in. So I didn't want to go back and study for three or four years because of, because of that situation. And it wasn't until I actually went in to see Debbie Malone for a reading. I just had this calling. I needed to go and see her. It was probably, I met her three years earlier before I actually went and saw her. And the moment she saw me, she goes, Dave, do you realize you've got this ability? And she did the reading for me. And she goes, you are going to change lives. You are going to work in an industry where you help people. That's all she said to me in terms of, I don't know if she saw that I was becoming going to become a psychic or but she knew that I was going to change lives and that I was going to help people. And she gave me her book, and I'm happy to plug the book. It's called Awakening Your Psychic Ability. That book was the first book that I was able to read properly. I was absorbing it. So from the very first words of reading her her book, all of a sudden what I was reading was actually being absorbed. It's it's so surreal. It was like the 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 words were magnified and that was really big and I couldn't believe that I was actually reading a book and it was I didn't have to read it over the pages three or four times over 
And that book ended up becoming like my Bible. It was, I was walking around everywhere with it. It was in my bag, everywhere I went, that book was with me. And I was always referring back to things that she had written in it. And it was that moment where I went, okay, I know what my purpose is. I'm going to learn this properly. I'm going to do spend the time and dedication. And then it just snowballed from there. Would you say that the reason that you were able to read that book with such facility and that you felt it was your Bible was because it aligned so closely with your soul purpose? Absolutely. To awaken all, your psychic ability. All the troubles that I went through, you know, from the time that I tried to commit suicide to the toxic relationships that I was in, to being homeless, to having no money, to all of those hard situations. And from the time that I did have the suicide attempt to where I was at that moment, there were still repetitive patterns that I was doing. I was still going back into toxic relationships where I ended up losing everything again with somebody else. So it was like I kept doing the same thing over. But what I could tell was is that I wasn't going to do a job that I didn't want to do anymore. I needed to do something that I was going to help people. And music was still definitely a part of that. I knew I was always going to play in bands and play music. But I needed to do something on the day-to-day life where I felt like I had a purpose. I felt so strong. My soul was screaming at me, you need to do something that is helping people. I just didn't know what it was until I met with Debbie. And then as I was learning how to, to enhance the ability that was in me, I actually ended up working in the disability industry. It was just something that I had fallen into and it was something that I fell in love with. and. I didn't realize why I was doing disability until I started to work with people with cerebral palsy or nonverbal clients. And it was kind of like, I needed to understand that these people, their minds are actually normal inside. It's just, it's why differently that they can't communicate as well as what we can, but they are just normal people. They're just normal in their own way and that they needed to be accepted. And, and it was this amazing gift to be able to, give these opportunities to get out into the community, into the public and have a great time. And I was able to assist them, but I was learning something about the human soul and the human spirit through these people. And that was also a lesson that I needed to learn before I actually went into doing readings full time. Mm -hmm. I had to learn something from these people that have got so much against them. And they gave me an incredible gift of learning to understand is that no matter how hard things is, you can always still find the best out of life. And they all we're looking for the best part of life. They all came in wanting to have fun. They wanted to have a great time. And that was the beauty of it. And it was not till halfway through doing that line of work that I knew that I needed to go full-time in doing readings. Do you feel like you were using your psychic gifts in your communication with your your clients that were nonverbal? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was it was funny. There was I can't remember where it was. It was understanding that. You'll be, you become connected to their soul and you can read their soul. It was the look in their eyes. And I just had this knowing of, okay, they need a drink or they're hungry or they needed to get personal care done. My energy and their energy just connected. And I just felt it within the body, in my body, which is my clairsentience, is, is that they needed something. They would just became my friends or even family at times. You know what I mean? And it was just this knowing that it was happening. And basically what they were doing is they were teaching me how to connect through the soul, but also my my sensing ability. 
they helped me with my clairsentience of sensing and feeling what was right or wrong about them. I was able to get the messages within my mind of I'd hear the voice, which was my clear audience to say they need personal care or they need a drink or they're just not feeling great today. They're in a bad mood. I would just know. And, you know, it, it assisted me to what I'm doing today. Then you moved into being a full-time psychic yep. medium. How did that next chapter of your life play out and how did your family and friends respond to this shift in your life? My family knew that I was doing readings part-time on the side and they didn't really know too much about it. Probably my biggest supporter would be would have been my sister at the time because she's quite a spiritual person and into all getting readings and stuff like that. So she was my biggest supporter and, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, go and do it. Being in, in the disability industry, it unfortunately, you're not paid very well. It is an industry where you do so much, but you get little back in terms of financial assistance. And you do work long hours. And it got to a point where I was making below $20 an hour and I was trying to pay rent and all this other stuff. And I was in a situation where it was like I needed a pay rise and I wasn't going to get it. And I just went, I can't do this anymore. And and a person that I was with at the time turned around and said, don't you think this is the time that you just go out on your own and do it full time instead of looking for something else? And I went, okay. So it was a little bit scary, but I sat down with my sister and she helped me help put the website together and all the marketing material. And there we go. We started and it was just, I've never advertised and it was just a word of mouth and it just started slowly and it was difficult at times you know there was times where I wasn't making enough money but I was doing gigs as well on the side which was also helping me financially and I did get some help from friends when I was a little bit short but they sure enough it just the universe had it had my back and was right here we go we're going to do this and the guides and angels directed me in the right direction and the universe was there assisting me on my sole purpose and it's been an incredible journey going full-time it's scary but it was also the best thing that ever happened so how long has that been now full time it's been since 2017 so So tell tell us about that like how does a reading usually progress for you what happens it's so different from the very first time to where i am today and it's always evolving and this is something that people have got to understand as i said oh you know, I had a reading with you several years ago, but it's so different to what it is today. And it's because the ability changes within me every all the time. But um, a reading will actually, I don't know, I don't want to know anything about somebody. When they come for a reading with me, I don't want to know a single thing about them. I want people to turn up with scepticism because I think that is important. It keeps the psychic or keeps me honest. But as soon as they sit down, I always try and have a conversation with them and ask them how they are and, What that also does, it opens up the energy between us. So what I am doing is I'm reading the energy that you are putting out at that moment. The moment you sit down in front of me or whether it be in person or online, whatever energy you're putting out is what I'm going to pick up on. You could be going through a really difficult time. You could be going through a really fun time, but I'll pick up on all of that. But then what will happen is too is then I will end up feeling the energy of a loved one that may have passed on. So I won't know if they're here for a mediumship reading or for a psychic reading, but it will always guide me in the right direction and I'll feel it. It's about feeling it, seeing it and hearing it. 
and then I'll know what the message is. So some people will come to me and go, oh, look, I'm looking for a new job. And I'll go, I'm picking up nothing. And the reason being is because they haven't thought about what they wanted to do. But if you were thinking about doing something and I was able to go, were you thinking about becoming this? And I said, yes. And I said, well, if I'm picking up on it and you're thinking it, there is your God. Mm. So do you feel that in the same way that you were supported to follow your soul's purpose, are you helping the people that come to you for a reading? Absolutely. There is nothing better than Yeah. There is nothing better than knowing that I have the chance to guide somebody in the right direction in their life. What I do want people to understand is, is that every psychic reading you go to, it is probable. Some people will, will take the words of a psychic or a medium as gold. But what they've got to understand is, is we are just a messenger and we are wrong. If you get a reading from someone and they said, I'm 100% correct every time, I would actually be very cautious and probably walk away because that's an ego-driven comment. Are psychics wrong? Yes, we are. Am I wrong? Yes, I am. And I've got no hesitation in saying that. What I am is I'm accurate. But what people have got to understand is, is that it's up to you to take those messages for it to happen. So if I'm predicting something that's going to happen in your life, you've got to allow something or change something or do something for that situation to happen. So if I say to you, Karina, you're going to get a new car. But if you don't go out and look for it, you're not going to get that car, are you? You know, I feel like you're going to meet somebody new or you're going to have someone coming into your life. But if you constantly stay home or don't go and talk to people or allow people to talk to you, are you going to meet somebody new? No, you're not. So it's one of those things is that people would just think it's just going to fall out of the sky and land in their lap. Sometimes it actually does happen that way. But a lot of the times people have got to understand is that what we are giving them is a guidance we're pointing you in the direction and going, that's the pathway you need to take. And if you want what I'm predicting to happen, that's the pathway you've got to take. Off you go. So a lot of the times people go, oh, you said this, this, and this, but it never happened. And I said to them, did you follow the guidance to get there? And they go, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't change anything. And I said, that's why nothing's changed. You've got to take those messages and do something with it for it to happen. So, Dave, what I'm what I'm hearing is that you point people to their own inner knowing to their own higher self absolutely advise them you're you're helping them see the path but what they must do this is what i'm hearing from you what they must do is follow their intuition and follow absolutely. their guidance i don't sit there and focus on predictions i don't i don't want to be that psychic that says i see this happen i see this happen i see this happen and that's all you get what I want to delve into is your past, your present, before I even talk about your future. Because if we haven't dealt with what's happened in your past, that repetitive pattern of your past is happening in your present, which will then also connect into your future, and then nothing's going to change. So if there are repetitive patterns that I'm picking up of your past that you're still doing today, we need to acknowledge that and go, you need to change this. But the way to change this is what the guidance I'm giving you is you need to do this and head that way. And you'll break that pattern. And it's I give a lot of life guidance to the prediction that I see what will end up happening in their life. And I get a lot of feedback saying, you're right, you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything that I say to people during after a reading as well too. Literally an hour after a reading, I have no clue what I've said to you. It sounds terrible, but I actually don't care what comes out of it because the messages are not for me. They are for you. So I'm not worried about getting 
a reaction from you. I, I don't care if you go, oh, my God, how did you know that? Or having those lightning bolt moments. That's not my my job. My job is to be as accurate as possible for you. And I'm not worried about being right or wrong. I'm just worried about getting the right messages out. My job is to be in tune to myself and to say what I see, feel, and hear and give that to you. You're the one that's going to understand it, not me. So I'm not worried about what actually comes out. Where I find that ego gets in the way of things at times for people and for some other psychics. And they're more worried about the reaction that you're giving back to that person rather than just getting the message out to them what they need to hear. So, Dave, you spoke a lot about energy and vibration. I'm wondering what part that plays in your readings and also how it is that you sense the late loved ones when they appear in a reading. It's a good question, that is, because and it's something that people ask a lot about is, is too, is that as a medium, we're basically a radio and when you're wanting to listen to your radio station, you've got to tune yourself into a free, tune the frequency to get the right radio station. That's basically what I do. So whether I'm doing psychic work or mediumship work is I have to switch. I've got to take everything out of my mind. So I've got to take out that I've got to go shopping, I've got to go for a run or whatever and have a clear mind and lift up my energy and vibrations to the high frequency that spirit are at. They're at a certain, some spirits at a high frequency, some are a little bit lower. But if I'm not feeling well or I'm tired or exhausted, I will not do this type of work because I know I'm not going to get to that frequency. It's about managing myself to be at, at the right frequency to do mediumship work. So when I had the moment on stage, because I'm playing music and I'm having a great time and I'm just loving life, my energy and my my frequency and my vibrations is at that high level. So that's why the spirit can come to me. And because I love what I do and when I'm about to do a reading, you know, I do get a little bit nervous and I do get the adrenaline rush, which is great for me because then that means, hey, you care about this and you want to do the best that you want to do. But I'm also excited because I get to do something I love. So then again, my frequency goes up, my energy goes up. So my antenna or my senses go to that another level where spirit goes, here I am and I can pick up on it. But like I say, if, and I say, because I do teach this to, to people at times, I don't teach this to everyone. I do teach the ability to, to some people. I always say that if you're very stressed or you're feeling down and out or low, don't do spiritual work. Don't try and connect to your higher self because you're actually going to probably do more damage to your, yourself than you are doing good. It's about controlling an ego, which is a fear. And that little ego will always tell us something that we want to hear, but not what we're supposed to hear. And it's it's difficult. And But the other thing is too, is bad entities or bad spirits do sit on that lower frequency. So you've got to be very, very careful in terms of people that are spiritual. If they're not feeling great, but they're trying to connect with spirit, they're actually opening themselves up to having bad attachments. That's very interesting you say that, and my audience has probably heard me talk about this in the past, but I've interviewed, you know, for my books and in my podcasts over the years, people who have had negative experiences with the spirit world. And sometimes, you know, it happens in the teenage years when there's a lot of stress and a lot of angst and some very scary energies manifest. And that looks like, you know, quote unquote, poltergeist activity and all of yeah. that. 
And I've often thought about the resonance between the state of mind and the the emotional state that the young person is in at the time. And it seems to me like the combination of high psychic ability, which may be dormant and stress, could attract because it seems to be a like attracts like thing. Absolutely, could attract these um, these negative experiences. It's one of those things is where. I hear so many stories of people saying, you know, we were drinking and we were we were out and then we decided to play around with tarot cards or a Ouija board or whatever. And then next, you know, we, we thought we were connecting to a spirit and I just went, you guys are crazy. I will never do a reading for someone that has had some form of drugs or alcohol in their system. If someone turns up and I know they've been drinking or they've had some sort of drugs, I will not do a reading for you. Because what that does is even though they may feel calm and relaxed, their energy's dropped. They're on that lower vibration. And you hear people that saying, oh, I was in a pub or I was in a place and there was we knew that there was entities and then we're trying to communicate with it. I said, do you realize how dangerous that is? I said, if a spirit, a bad spirit attaches to you, it is going to do what it can to mess up your life. You'll become physically sick. You'll become angry. It'll cause problems in your relationships, in your work, in every aspect of your life. And you won't have a clue why this is all happening. So, Dave, when you say a bad spirit, is that a person who has trauma, who passes, who has unhealed, lots of unhealed trauma and fears and has had negative experiences on the earth plane and then they cross and they're in that same state? Is that what you're saying? A lot of the time, yes, it is. The way I like to describe this to people is is if we were sitting in a football stadium and there was 100,000 people, out of that hundred thousand people, how many do you reckon? How many people do you reckon in that stadium are not great people? There'd right. be a lot, mm-hmm. but in the spirit realm, there's a lot of beautiful spirits, a lot of beautiful people. And then there's also the bad ones in there as well too, like there is in the living. So they do roam around just as much as as the the good ones do, but they're always on that lower frequency. They just don't want to go into the into the light. They want to stay in that dark energy. So is the option always available to them to ascend, to learn? Absolutely. From what I've I've learned through the years of experiences is that, you know, there's the option to let go of whatever it is that they've had and, and move on. I don't ever engage with them. So I've never really had communications except for one time where I did a reading for someone that was murdered and the person that had murdered this woman had also had passed away and actually came through and tried to attach himself to to us during a reading, which was actually quite a scary experience. I was doing a reading for somebody and her sister, I think it was, had been murdered by her ex-boyfriend. And after he was sent to prison, he actually died in prison. But then when I connected this lady who was having a reading with me to her sister, as we were, I kept saying, I remember this, is, there seems to be someone that's attaching themselves to her and he's a bad, bad spirit. And it's like he's strangling her or he's sticking knives into her. And she said that he had actually stabbed my sister in the back and he'd also strangled her. And he was a really nasty piece of work. And it actually, I still remember it to this day. It was just a really bad experience of connecting myself with his spirit. He was dark. Dark, 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 dark. And we did manage to get him off her and move him away to another another realm, but move her into a light where she was able to be free again. 
those bad spirits, you will know. I can tell that that's really stayed with you that moment. Yeah, yeah. There's been a number of readings that I have done which have I have I have remembered, especially on the medium side of things, because I've needed to remember them to understand what I do go through at times. You know, it does affect my personal life at times. You know, I've had readings where I have been the victim of a murder, so I've been, I've felt the fear of the person, the victim. I've also felt or smelt certain aftershaves or different smells. I've tasted blood. I've had, yeah, just the horrible feelings that have actually lasted with me after the reading, which is not not always happens, but it happens from time to time. So that's that sensitivity that you've always had that we were talking about. Yep. Yeah, that's how it comes out. And another interesting thing I remember you saying to me is that you can't really go to Kmart or shopping malls. What happens? Oh, yeah, look, this can happen to all of us. You know, using the word empath is a word that I, I'm i a little bit hesitant to say because when people just identify themselves as saying, oh, I'm an empath, you're, what you're really saying is, is that I don't connect to my own emotions, but I connect to everybody else's emotions. We're all empathetic. We've all got a sense and we can all feel other people's emotions at times. Some are switched on more, some are not as switched on. But for me being that super sensitive person is, is that when I go into a major shopping centre, what I find is that a lot of people are there because they're not feeling great about themselves. They're not feeling great about their life. So they're there to do retail therapy. So it's just like this massive room of heavy emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's like walking into this cloud of just sadness at times. And there are times where I just want to vomit or I want to fall over. And because it's really important to spiritually cleanse your home or your workplace, a shopping center is never going to get spiritually cleansed. So it's just this big box of just heavy, dark emotions. That just lingers there. And it lingers. So if I ever have to go to the shops, I usually go to a shop that's open 10, 11 o'clock at night because there's hardly anyone else around and I don't have to feel other people's emotions. And when I do go shopping, I basically run in and run out. I'm the quickest shopper. I know what I'm going to get. I know where I've got to go and I'm running, get and run out. Let's talk some more about just the positive aspects now of the work that you do. And you mentioned that lovely thing at the top of our interview you said that you see people transform I wonder if you have a particular story in mind about a reading that you've done that you've seen that or something that's really stayed with you about that there's not a particular reading I just think every reading has an incredible experience for me hearing back from clients that have have just said my life has transformed after having a reading with you and you get that feedback it is just one of the most valuable gifts for my own self to is to hear well to know that when somebody left a reading from me it did transform their life put them in the right direction they had a better understanding of themselves or their own lives but for me the pinnacle is is when you do a mediumship reading for somebody and they're desperately missing that person and i've had people sit in front of me and you just see the stress in their face and they're just hurting. And then all of a sudden, when you connect them with that loved one and there's these validations that they get and they had that realisation, you know what, they are still with us. I've seen people's stress just completely go. And it's like you can see a physical change in their face and, you know, the tears turn to laughter. And, you know, it only happened the other day. I did a reading for a beautiful lady who lost a child. She'd been really missing her daughter. But then, you know, there were certain things that we were brought up and she was just laughing her head off. 
And to have her connect to her daughter through me being in the middle of it was just a magic experience just to see that happiness in someone's face. It's crazy because there are times where I just finish reading and I just go, I even flip out and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that actually happened. It's just, this is just the most amazing thing that I'm able to do. It, it, it flips me out so many times. And I just love the fact that I can do that for people, that I can connect them or I can help somebody in their life to be a better version of themselves. There is no greater gift. There is nothing better than it for, for me anyway. Yeah, I can see the theme of service prominent throughout your life. You give. It's an act of service to support somebody who's grieving in that moment and see that transformation and the, the lovely service that you, you gave to the people with disability that you attended to, you know. Yeah. Even being on stage, I think you mentioned to me when we spoke last time that you just give people some respite from life by playing some cool songs, some music. Absolutely. They get to dance, they get to sing, and they don't have to worry about anything. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. But this line of work does come with a lot of responsibility, and that's what people need to understand too is is that it does come with a huge amount of responsibility. Like people are in my care for an hour, and they are going to take what I say. And it's about them shaping their lives with the information that I give them. So I do take a lot of care in that person for that hour that they're with me. A lot of people think that the psychic ability is all fun and games and that, but it's not. It's actually a huge responsibility. And I don't think it's respected enough. And that's one of those things that people need to understand is is that I can't just give you information whenever you want it because there is a process that I have to go to to get that information. And my care for you is far greater than just giving you a quick message. And I think a lot of psychics will understand this is that when you get into this line of work, people do tend to forget you're human. And all of a sudden you stop being looked at as an individual. You just get looked at as the psychic. So So, it's not always easy either. No, of course not. And I'm wondering, given that, how do you take care of yourself? What sort of self-care practices or practices to keep you tuned in and, and looked after? It's something that I've actually found difficult and that comes back to all the way back to when we talked about giving, pleasing people. It's still ingrained in me and it's still something I have to work on. It's it's really difficult because it's hard to differentiate between your friends and your clients type thing. Like you had friends, but then when they understood the work that you do, all of a sudden the questions or the time that they spend with you changes. So instead of just being your friend, all of a sudden they just want to talk to you or hang out with you because you can give them the information that they want about where they are in their life. And then you kind of start to think, am I still giving a friendship or am I starting to give psychic stuff here? So it's one of those things where I, I have gotten to a point where I go, are you wanting to hang out with a psychic or are you wanting to hang out with Dave? So it does become a bit of a lonely world at times because then all of a sudden you've got to understand if you say no to some people, you don't hear from them again. But I've gotten to a point where I just don't care anymore because you, I have to say no. And the care that I do is, is that when I'm doing a reading for somebody, their emotions that they're going through is theirs and I don't take it on. I've got to do my own spiritual protection for, for that. But I've also got to understand is, is that someone can be a sobbing mess in front of me, but I'm not going to get emotionally involved in it. I will show them the love and compassion that they need, but I'm not going to 
absorb what they go through. And that goes with all my friends or family as well too, is, is that I know when to switch off to it and just leave them in it and not get involved with it. So, Dave, as we approach the end of our conversation, I wanted to ask you about the shift that we're going through in our world at the moment. So it seems to be happening on an individual level and on a collective level as well. It looks like it's been around since COVID, but I kind of reckon it's been bubbling for a few years before then. (laughs) But what can you tell us about this time? I honestly believe we're going through a huge correction. I'm not going to tell you what I think of what COVID was. I think that's all for the conspiracy people out there. But what it, like I say, everything happens for a reason. No matter what situations we are, there are positives and negatives, but there's always something good out of something. Now, personally for myself and for a lot of people that are around me, COVID was an actually incredible time. I was able to connect with a lot of people through this work. I think this correction through COVID was incredible for a lot of people. They started to realise what was valuable in their life and what wasn't valuable in their life. You know, going to work from 7.30 in the morning till 9, 10 o'clock at night, they started to realise that wasn't a healthy lifestyle, that a lot of companies and a lot of jobs were really using people. Like people would go to work 7.30 in the morning, they'd come home at 5, 6 o'clock at night, they'd spend an hour with their family and then they're back on their computers doing work till 11 o'clock at night, answering emails and com- phone conversations, and then waking up the next day and going back to the office. And then all of a sudden, they they didn't realise their kids were growing up. They didn't realise their partners were sitting there in the kitchen or in the household unhappy because they weren't connecting. It made a lot of people re-evaluate what life is really about and what is the valuable gifts of life. And if you have a look at the working cultures these days, how many more pe- how many people are still working from home? How many companies are now changing their their policies of on a rotation system where you only have to go into the office a certain amount of days a week? I've got still got friends that are involved in the real estate industry, and there's so many offices space office space available in the city now because they don't need that space anymore. People are starting to realize, hey, I shouldn't have to be a slave to my job. I want to be a slave to my own wants and needs, and this is what a lot of people are doing. They're paying attention to what they really want in their life and that's what this correction was all about and that's why yes COVID wasn't a great time for a lot of people but it also made people think about what's valuable in their life which probably they would have swept under the carpet and never really got to realize and for two years or two and a half years or whatever it was people really got to get to know who they are and what they are and what they really wanted and a lot of people have made corrections in their life and they've done it, they've listened to their sole purpose. And so many people have gone through massive career changes in the last two years. So I think it's been an incredible period for people and it's still going to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think people are a little bit more stronger now about what they really want in their life and what they're not willing to accept that isn't a good behavior in their life anymore too. So I'm finding people are slowly figuring out what they want. Just some people are a little bit slower to move than others, but other people are fearless and just going for it. And they're making incredible progress in their life. An incredibly rich time, isn't it? Like oh, it potential. There's opportunities in every situation. There's time to be successful in every situation. No matter how hard things are, there is a time to be successful. It's just about opening your mind up and looking at the bigger picture than just what's really in front of you. Dave, it's so wonderful to speak to you today. Just before we sign off, I'd like to ask if you have any 
closing words for our audience. There'll be a lot of people listening who are grieving the loss of a loved one, other people going through very difficult times personally. What message do you have for somebody listening today? So for the people that are who have lost a loved one, understand that we don't die. The only thing that ends is our body. It is a vehicle. It All it does is it carries our soul and our spirit. And we are missing that physicalness. But when you see them in your dreams, understand that it is a visitation. And whenever you're missing them, they will be there with you. It's one of those things that you've got to understand that they are still there for every part of the moment of your life. And whenever you need them, they will always be by your side. And it's called divine intervention. And you'll understand it when something incredible happens. Those times that you hear the songs and you think of your loved one and smile, they are there. Whenever you have a dream of them, that's them connecting with you. So understand they are always there with you. And anyone who's going through a really hard time in their life at this moment, understand that life is a gift and there is ups and downs. But the bad feeling that you're going through at this moment is only temporary and it will change and it will get better. You just got to believe in the journey that you're taking and it's only going to lead you to better places. Thanks, Dave. It's been a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Have an experience you'd like to share with me? Get in touch at my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story.